Gates, the biggest firebrand inside of the House of Representatives. You're not taking Matt Gates off the board, okay? Because Matt Gates is an American patriot and Matt Gates is an American hero. We will not continue to allow the Uniparty to run this town without a fight. I want to thank you, Matt Gates, for holding the line. Matt Gates is a courageous man. If we had hundreds of Matt Gates in DC, the country turns around. It's that simple. He's so tough, he's so strong, he's smart, and he loves this country. Matt Gates. It is the honor of my life to fight alongside each and every one of you. We will save America. It's choose your fighter time. Send in the firebrands. I want to remind the public that Donald Trump and House Republicans also have their own ideas for the border. So let's review the majority's border ideas that they've actually presented. Here they are. Donald Trump actually has said that he wants to build alligator moats along the border. That's one of his incredible ideas. Another idea that Donald Trump has promoted is he actually wants to electrify the border fence and maybe even put some spikes on the border. That's another Donald Trump and MAGA majority border idea. Another idea, which I'm not sure how, how well it would go, is he wants to actually bomb Northern Mexico with missiles. That's another Trump idea. And finally, I think one of the ones that I think um, is the most grotesque is suggestions that instead we should maybe just shoot migrants in the legs as they cross the border. So once again, the Donald Trump and MAGA plan is alligator moats, bombing Northern Mexico, shooting migrants in the legs, and electrifying the fence and putting spikes on them. That is the Donald Trump border plan. Welcome back to Firebrain. We are live. That is triggered California Congressman Robert Garcia laying out what he perceives as the MAGA plan to secure a border that's wide open. Electrified fences, alligators, ensuring that we bomb the places where they are producing the fentanyl that's killing over 100,000 Americans and maybe even a little hot lead for the traffickers themselves that in fact harm the migrants and harm our country and destabilize what ought to be a place of prosperity along the U.S.-Mexico border, but instead is full of bandits and hoodlums and trouble. So I was already supportive of that agenda. I didn't even need Robert Garcia to lay it out for me, but he did in Technicolor. And the bottom line is you cannot continue to allow 300,000 people every month to come across illegally. We have seen a huge increase in those on the terror watch list that are apprehended and released in 6 million of the 8 million that we've paroled into the country. Well, we don't know who they are and where they are. So the impeachment of Mayorkas is coming. I'm going to be voting for that impeachment, supporting that impeachment. You've seen some of the debate in the uh, House uh, Homeland Security Committee. But impeachment is necessary but not sufficient as a posture for House Republicans. We have to be demanding that the border be closed in order to continue extending funding for the government agencies that have long been turned against the people during the Biden administration. So it's got to be shut down the border or shut down the government. And where Speaker Mike Johnson is right on this is that we don't need some new law to shut down the border. Trump did it. It's the public health title 42 authorities remain in Mexico and safe third country. You do those things, then you detain or remove the people who come here illegally. You have the border secure. So don't buy this nonsense that that dumb Senate amnesty bill sponsored by Senator Langford is what is necessary. It indeed is not.
I want to get now to our top story of the day. Even more cheating, even more trouble going on in Fulton County. You'll remember Fulton County is where the DA, the Soros-backed DA, Bonnie Willis brought an action for RICO. RICO is the stuff that like Rudy Giuliani used to go get the mob in New York, but instead now it's being used against Rudy Giuliani. Fannie Willis has a long history of misusing the statute. She used it against teachers when that was widely panned as an overcharging uh, of uh, that particular crime and, and set of facts. But Fannie Willis herself may be in a little trouble. We've covered extensively how she jacked up billing opportunities for her married boyfriend, Nathan Wade. And Nathan Wade charged like $650,000 to this matter, whereas the other more qualified outside attorneys were only charging like $100,000 back the napkin math. Then there were two grand juries. I, thought, I found this was odd in Georgia. Like Normally, you would have a grand jury that would evaluate the matter and that would then make a charging decision or not. And it always was odd to me that there were two separate grand juries. And then I start to think to myself, well, maybe, maybe the reason there were two is so that Nathan Wade could double bill, double charge, and then thanks to Nathan Wade's estranged wife, we now have all the evidence of the trips he took and how he took the money from Fonnie Willis and then spent it on Fonnie Willis. Well, there's even more to this story and even more to the mismanagement Someone from Fonnie Willis's office gets an audio recording. Oh, really, a whistleblower here is trying to say that there are grants that are being misused for personal emoluments, for trips, for laptops. Take a listen from inside the Fulton County DA's office. If you had to give me a sentence, what is the sentence thing? Once I told him about his respectfully and in an email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible and I kept telling him like we can't do that and questioning stuff he would take me off projects tell people I wasn't doing what I was supposed to because I questioned him because I understood I helped write that grant I knew what was in that grant he told everybody in front of Crystal Deontay everybody we're gonna get MacBooks, we're gonna do that. We're gonna get swag. We're gonna use it for travel. I said you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. Took me off. I questioned Junior DA. There's kids in there from out of the the um the county. All this took me off Junior DA. I did not want to do it. He made it look as if I wasn't doing what I needed to do because I questioned him because so, I knew for a fact Mr. Cuffey respectfully did not know what he was doing. So, period. So I respect that is your assessment. Um, it was clear to me that you and Mr. Cuffey were not getting along. And I'm not saying that your assessment is wrong. I want you to really listen to the words I'm saying. Cuffey, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me. She told me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR. Okay, and he put Dexter's something? name on my PDP, and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Can I tell you something? Mm -hmm. I have three supervisors that have failed in this building. What's interesting to me, because I'm in a learning curve too, they each pretend to have a relationship with me that they do not have. 
I guess that's an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you felt that way, but you, Dexter certainly don't have no relationship with uh, right. Michael Cuffey. You were safe to go those places. We're back live, swag and travel and laptops. And if you listen closely to this interaction between clearly a distraught whistleblower who is talking about having written the very grants that are being abused, Fonnie Willis tries to make it personal. She tries to get away from the misuse of money, any accountability, any crime that may have occurred by making a misrepresentation about how funds were being used or planned to be used. Instead, what you get from Fonnie Willis is, well, it just sounds like you and this particular individual didn't get along. And that's a tell because it shows you that the construct for how Fonnie Willis views the work of the office is through the lens of personal relationships. You see, this, this particular grant writer didn't get along with a supervisor. So that's really the problem. And then on Nathan Wade, well, you see Fonnie Willis getting along with Mr. Wade real well in the receipts that are produced by Nathan Wade's wife. But since the relationship was strong between Willis and Wade, the financial malpractice and malfeasance was acceptable. I am calling on the House Judiciary Committee to immediately hold hearings on the misuse of federal grants by Fonnie Willis. That whistleblower should be allowed to tell her story to the United States Congress. Fonnie Willis should have to answer for any misuse of federal grants for personal, lavish experiences. And if there are other funds co-mingled with those federal funds that allow Fonnie Willis to go hire her married boyfriend, give him $650,000, and enjoy trips as a consequence, we need answers. The House Judiciary Committee would be derelict in not bringing Fonnie Willis before us for a hearing following the release of this explosive whistleblower transcript and audio. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get her here to answer questions. My expectation is that you'll learn a lot more about the corruption going on in the Fulton County DA's office. Turning now to Capitol Hill, there was a really important hearing with Mark Zuckerberg over in the Senate, and Zuckerberg got a real, uh, a real haranguing from Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Let's listen in. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. The, these results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, the basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to, rather than just blocking it, to help direct them towards something that, um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In what, I also, understand get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for see results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong. We, we try to trigger this, this uh, warning, or we tried to, um, when we th think that there's any chance that the results Okay, you might, might be, be wrong. Let me ask you, how many times was this warning screen displayed? I don't know, but the but the hey, you don't know. Why don't you know? I, I I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. But well, you know what, Mr. Zuckerberg, it's interesting you say you don't know it off the top of your head because I asked it 
in June of 2023 in an oversight letter and your company refused to answer. Will you commit right now to within five days answering this question for this committee? We'll follow up on that. Is that a yes? Not a will follow up. I know how lawyers write statements saying we're not going to answer. Will you tell us how many times this warning screen was displayed? Yes or no? Senator, I'll personally look into it. I'm not sure if we have. Okay, so you're refusing to answer that. Let me ask you this. How many times did an Instagram user who got this warning that you're seeing images of child sexual abuse, how many times did that user click on see results anyway? I want to see that. Senator, I'm not sure if we stored that, but I'll personally look into this and we'll follow up after. Ted Cruz clearly did not have decaf on the morning of this questioning. And Zuckerberg is quite deft and quite charming in these deflections and in his unwillingness to commit to get information that Senator Cruz has been asking for for years. Another of our great Senate firebrands also got all over Mr. Zuckerberg. It was Senator Josh Hawley. Take a listen. With so much of our lives spent on mobile devices and social media, it's important to look into the effects on teen mental health and well-being. I take this very seriously. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes. Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's people widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let, let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram, this is your study, for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. Senator, we try to under understand the uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services, we can improve. Wait a minute, your, own, da your are... own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. You increase no, Senator, anxiety and depression. Says. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. For that's... years, you've been coming in public and testifying under oath that there's absolutely no link. Your product is wonderful. The science is nascent, full speed ahead, while internally, you know full well your product is a disaster for teenagers. Senator, and yet you keep true. right on doing what you're doing. Right? That's not true. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is... fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about it, it, like individual it's not appropriate. HR decisions. In, in Do you know who's like sitting that? behind you? You've got families from across the nation whose children are either severely harmed or gone, and you don't think it's appropriate to take a, talk about steps that you took? The fact that you didn't fire a single person? To, Let me I'm ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry? Have you compensated any of the victims? I, These I, girls, I, have you compensated them? I don't believe so. 
You, why not? Don't you think they deserve some compensation for what your platform has done? Help Senator, with counseling services? Help with dealing with the issues that your, your service has caused? Our, our job is to make sure that we build tools to help keep people safe. Are you going to compensate platform. them? Senator, our job and what we take seriously is making sure that we build industry-leading tools to find harmful to content, make money. take it off the services, uh, to make money. and to build tools that empower parents. So you didn't take any people. action. You didn't that's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't that's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, They're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I, I, I'm sorry. It was quite a moment in the Senate Judiciary Committee when Zuckerberg did indeed take, uh, take Holly up on that offer. Kathy on Rumble asks an important question. What about Section 230? Didn't we get rid of that? So here's the background. Section 230 is a provision of uh, law, federal law, that gives the publishers of uh, information, or I should, I should say that differently. Section 230 allows entities that are technology platforms to avoid the liability thresholds that would exist if they were a publisher. So there's this big debate going on. Is Facebook just an aggregator or indeed are they a publisher? And the more you see them engage in censorship and the more the algorithm tries to shape how people think, the more we really get to the point that there is no just blanket tech platform that makes information available that is operated by Meta. And so we wanted to repeal Section 230 and we had Republicans and Democrats, certainly not Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz, but Republicans and Democrats who stood in the way of that effort. So the very harm that you saw Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz express concern over is allowed to occur with a full liability shield for Meta. So we bring them before Congress, we ask these questions, but at the end of the day, the people who are really harmed can't sue. They should be able to. That's why Section 230 should be repealed. I now want to talk about something going on in Iowa. Former Mississippi congressional candidate and American hero Michael Cassidy was just charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief, a misdemeanor in Iowa for beheading that statue of the blasphemant that was placed on display at the state capitol in Iowa. It was a big story. You had the satanic symbol, and this veteran goes and beheads the weird idol thing. But unfortunately for Michael, who did what was right, another demon has reared its ugly head. That demon is the Soros-funded county attorney, Kimberly Graham, who has decided to charge Michael with a felony hate crime. Any same country would give Michael a medal. But while Michael may have earned himself another jewel in his crown of heaven, here he has earned himself official condemnation and enhanced felony charges from our most nefarious adversaries. Now, County Attorney Kimberly Graham is most known for taking over $300,000 from the George Soros Justice and Public Safety Political Action Committee. And I've spent some time in Iowa recently, $300,000 from a PAC for a county prosecutor position is a lot of money. It is dispositive in races like that. And if it's not enough to make your skin crawl, she claimed 
in the past that she was inspired to run for county attorney by Rachel Collins, the famous progressive DA in Boston, who publicly released a list of 15 crimes that her office would refuse to prosecute, like trespassing, shoplifting, larceny, disorderly conduct, receiving stolen property, driving on a suspending license, breaking and entering with property damage, wanton and malicious destruction of property, threats, and more. And we talk a lot about Soros prosecutors and their commitment to the destruction of the rule of law and really the mockery of natural law. But one feature of anarcho-tyranny that gets less attention is that of unequal enforcement of the law. Rules for the but not for me. If Michael Cassidy destroyed a statue of George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or virtually any ancestral American deemed problematic by today's mores, well, he wouldn't have been prosecuted. He probably would have received millions of dollars in settlements like the BLM riders in Seattle. But Michael is being prosecuted because he stands for the values that the regime opposes, that this Soros-funded regime stands against. This is not an isolated incident. It's not even isolated to Iowa. In 2019, Adolfo Martinez was sentenced to 15 years for the hate crime of burning a rainbow flag flying on the side of a church in central Iowa. What happened to victimless crimes and restorative justice? No, that's just for the left, and it's all a show. It doesn't have to be consistent. It's not meant to be. A system isn't characterized by what it is meant to do. It is characterized by what it does. And the current system of laws throughout this country criminalizes the behavior of those that the regime hates, and it overlooks the behavior of those supported by the regime. And then you see people like Michael, like Daniel Penny, pay the consequence for that unequal enforcement of the law. So make no mistake, the regime has a state religion complete with its own blasphemy laws. And if you offend the rainbow satanic empire, the powers that be will throw you in the lion's den. That's what happened to Michael Cassidy. It's what will happen to you if we do not take back control of the justice system and kick these Soros prosecutors out of office. They are doing tremendous damage. Speaking of damage here in Congress, we get another report from Quiver Quantitative regarding the trading that goes on with members of Congress. So before I go over this specific post, I do not believe that members of Congress should be able to trade individual stocks. Even if the action is not nefarious, it undermines our trust in the system, and oftentimes it is nefarious. We don't let referees bet on the game, and we shouldn't let congressmen trade on individual stocks. I highly recommend Quiver Quantitative as a follow at Q-U-I-V-E-R-Q-U-A-N-T. They've built a system that tracks these congressional trades, and, and one of them caught our eye. The, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen just disclosed the purchase of a stock in a company called Badger Meter. Badger Meter produces automated water meter technology. The EPA recently passed a mandate requiring utilities to upgrade to new automated water meters. Senator Mullen sits on the Senate Committee on the Environment and Public Works. Tulsa, Oklahoma just announced that they will be spending $94 million to upgrade their meters. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen represents the state of Oklahoma. We'll keep an eye out to see how much federal money goes to Badger Meter. Thank you for that report from Quipper Quantitative. 
In New York City, mobs of migrants are attacking people and hurting them. Take a watch. A group of migrants in New York City are arrested after attacking NYPD officers near Times Square. Five of those migrants were arrested, four already released without bail, Brian. Can you imagine even putting your hands on a police officer and not thinking you're still in prison? They are beating them up. They don't even belong in this country, and they're out of prison. Well, some are repeat offenders. The brawl started when two officers were trying to break up a rowdy crowd near a migrant shelter around 42nd Street while arresting one one of the men, the others jumped in, as you're seeing, kicking and punching the officers. That might work in your country. It doesn't work here. The Manhattan DA's office says it's investigating the incident as police search for five other men involved. What's there to investigate? It's an absolute embarrassment. Remember that that Manhattan DA is Alvin Bragg, who has turned the streets over to the thugs and criminals while he's engaged in some novel stitching of federal election law to local reporting requirements in order to prosecute President Trump because he has failed to protect the people of Manhattan. You see it right there. So I guess to the folks in New York, when are you going to get tired of it? Like When are you going to get tired of the fact that these folks can hurt you and then go right back on the street and hurt somebody else? When are you going to get tired of the fact that they're throwing your kids out of the schools to house migrants? This sanctuary city that you live in appears more like a hellhole to me, not a sanctuary that I would ever want to be a part of. And maybe that's the reason that so many New Yorkers are taking their sanctuary in the Sunshine State. And we welcome them so long as they remember why they're leaving, what they're coming to, and to preserve uh, the greatness of the quality of life that we're able to lead in Florida that, uh, that looks nothing like what you just saw with that New York City migrant mob. There's a final update I want to give you regarding a matter in Northwest Florida. We are very proud of our training mission and our testing mission, particularly at NAS Pensacola and Whiting Field. We are able to have the best aviators in the Navy come through and learn and prepare for their mission ahead. And I'm very proud that in our congressional work, we were able to secure additional updated newer flight training assets, particularly new helicopter systems and new hangar systems to hold those helicopters at Whiting Field. And there was recently an accident where uh, two of our flight students had, were in air taxi and were hospitalized after an incident where uh, their helicopter during that taxi rolled over onto its side. We've gotten reports now that uh, there are no serious injuries. Those flight students will be fine, but I will be following up on this matter to ensure that we've got the very best aviators, that we've got the very best equipment, and that we're prepared to project force anywhere in the world if necessary and certainly defend the homeland. Thank you all so much for joining. Make sure you are subscribed, that you click that little bell on YouTube or Rumble for notifications to be turned on. And if you haven't checked out yesterday's episode, Man, Thomas Massey was here and had breaking news regarding the pipe bomber. I suggest you check out that episode as well. Thanks for joining us. Let's roll the credits.